in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. The Watching Comics Podcast has returned. And I don't know about you, Jake, but I have on my happy face. Yeah, I have all kinds of happy face right now. I'm, I'm psyched for our little uh, our mini episode here. I think that maybe we've hit the big time when we're having breaking news bulletins. We kind of are. This is, I think, this is what it's like to sit at the big kids' table and be popular, and you know, like do things and meet expectations and have people be interested. Yeah, it's. Uh, you know, because something happened, we responded, and I think Big Kid's Table is a great way to say it. You know, what what is a big kid if not a purely reactionary beast? Mm, 100%. So we're here to <laughs> feed the beast is what we're doing. We're doing our part. So uh, this was not part of our regularly scheduled programming, but because yesterday Todd Phillips went out onto the Instagrams and said a trailer for his new movie called The Joker, you may have heard of it is uh was gonna get was gonna drop we decided we needed to talk about it at least a little bit because guess what i knew we were going to have thoughts after we saw it and uh jake i have thoughts do you have thoughts i have thoughts and i also am i'm arrogant enough to think that some of our best stuff we've done has been these like weird just ramblings on trailers so i you know when mitch texted me we excuse me when in our production meeting yesterday or earlier today (laughs) uh mitch proposed that we uh you know do sort of a mini episode to discuss this trailer i was all in you know if a year ago you'd told me we'd be able to have a good conversation about a trailer i'd have laughed but i i think we've shown that we're very up to that we're we're very mature we are wise beyond our years and we are i think i think we can handle it this isn't this isn't the playground that your your mommy grew up on you know what i mean like we're we're here we're doing this the gloves are off and uh right. we're ready grown men we're, we're going to talk about this trailer yeah grown men we're doing it it's topical um okay so jake i have gone out on twitter in the last couple of months and said things to the effect of like I'll probably see this movie, but we didn't need it type of thing because I just I just wasn't ready to jump on another Joker bandwagon because it just seemed needless. But seeing that at the same time, while having the fact that Joaquin Phoenix is one of my three favorite actors in the back of my head, like I'm always like, okay, well, if he was given a good script and he's given enough real estate to really do his Joaquin-ness, then I'm sure he'd deliver a great performance it's just the principle the thing it's more of like i'm i was kind of exhausted at the fact of like joaquin really you said yes to do this Um, (laughs) but here here i am one teaser trailer with very minimal dialogue later ready to say that i think i was wrong yeah i am did i think we called this um last time we discussed this thing um, in whatever context it was, I think that we called this um, the best thing no one asked for. And <laughs> because because I'm right there with you, I I um I thought that Jared Leto's Joker was too soon. Um, and it was and not. It, I'm I'm sorry. Did you miss? <laughs> I thought you meant to say it was it was trash. Well, and that's just. I mean, it's not not to say too soon in the sense that it was. Uh, 
not not too soon in the sense that it was disrespectful to the legacy of anyone else. I, I don't mean it in any of that sense. Too soon in the sense that I don't think that it had been long enough since a brilliant portrayal of the Joker with Heath Ledger. I don't think enough time had passed for anyone to get away with a, let's say, lackluster portrayal of the Joker. Okay, so can we can we maybe give a somewhat hot take, bold statement here and feed the Twitter beast and say from Jared Leto's Joker to what we have seen so far and Joaquin Phoenix's Joker. Could this potentially be the best upgrade we've had for a character in all of comic book movies? Like from point A to point B. Um, now I'm on, now I'm like panicked running through in my head. Is there anything better? But I'm, I'm pretty comfortable giving that a yes. I think, uh, <laughs> that's a pretty big upgrade, man. Like who boy, uh, I hadn't even thought about it that way. And now I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, it's just Joaquin Phoenix is a, he's a remarkable talent. He's, um, he's weird, man, but that's not a bad thing. And it, you know, it fits this Joker role. Like his specific brand of odd just fits really well with this whole idea. Um, so, so yeah. So I think we're both. I'm here, and we're both pretty comfortable saying Joaquin Phoenix as the Joker, Arthur Fleck Joker looks awesome, right? One hundred and ten percent. And here's the thing he should already have one if not two oscars on his mantle and he definitely gave the best male acting performance in all the movies last year and didn't even get nominated which was crazy but the (laughs) dude the dude is next level good um but because he is very eccentric and he also has also has gone on the record and saying that he thinks award shows are a waste of time the academy is never going to give him anything until it's his time to get a lifetime achievement one but I, i say that to say this like he says yes to some of the best scripts that have come across any other male actor's desk in Hollywood in recent memory. He has an incredible track record of working with some of the most prolific directors and he very rarely lays an egg on the big screen. So I was already looking forward to his performance. What I was maybe more interested in was the Todd Phillips angle because here's a little nugget about Todd Phillips. He actually has a pretty stellar reputation for being a high-class visionary and filmmaker in the sense of the craft, which is weird if you don't know much about that and just look at his IMDb when you see things like Starsky and Hutch, Old School Due Date, and the Hangover Trilogy. But um, there are a couple of things that uh, – Everybody better get off of Old School, okay? Old School is a good movie. I think old school's in the conversation for one of the 10 best comedies of the century. <laughs> Sorry, go on with is. your, your well-reasoned thoughts. I, I interrupted to, you know, give my review of old school. So he, he did this documentary slash mockumentary for HBO early on in his career called frat house. And it actually gave him quite a reputation for his visceral style of filmmaking and his ability to kind of weave absurd extreme emotion into something so it's like you think it's one thing but it'll actually bend the genre a little bit and um he he was able to both kind of use it as a fictional storytelling method as well as a truth-telling one at the same time it was very interesting kind of put him on the map and then also his experience with the first hangover movie 
actually um, is what Bradley Cooper credits to be one of the most influential things of his life as far as turning him into the director that he always wanted to be. Uh, Bradley Cooper has said that if it wasn't for Todd Phillips and Clint Eastwood, that he wouldn't be a director. And if we wouldn't have had a hmm. director, if he wouldn't have directed this year, then we wouldn't have had Stars Born, which is kind of crazy. And, and, and I, yeah, and I that's really interesting. I loop it back to this one other thing is I feel like Todd Phillips converges almost perfectly to display for us exactly what we should have expected with this Joker movie in the movie War Dogs. Two years ago, War Dogs came out and was actually one of my favorite movies of the year. And it was with Miles Teller and Jonah Hill. And it was this deliciously black comedic um, exploration of um, illegal arms dealing uh, around the world. And it's the social commentary on how liberally we just throw out these guns to folks and the kinds of money that you can make off of other people's death. And it was also some of the hardest laughing I've ever had until it makes me really, really uncomfortable at the end of the movie. Like it's, it's a pretty remarkable achievement and the movie itself kind of flew criminally under the radar. So I say all that to say this, I think this is going to be for the casual moviegoer and the casual comic book fan, someone who isn't a quote unquote like cinephile or someone who really follows the industry and likes the word Artur, I think this may end up being the Todd Phillips coming out party that his reputation has kind of stated was coming for over a decade now and just hasn't quite hit yet. And I think it's super ironic that it's going to come at the hands of a movie that was financed by DC Comics and Warner Brothers. That's really interesting. Man, I didn't know a ton about like I didn't know most of that about him going into this conversation. So that's that's really fascinating to me, especially the uh, the Bradley Cooper angle there. Um, man, and Star's Born is so good. Exactly. And the, and so the thing is, it's like, it's like Todd Phillips is it, it, it's it's almost like he's in the same cut of Adam McKay. Adam McKay is the guy that did those mm, other World yeah. movies, you know, other guys and Anchorman and stuff like that. And then he makes the big short and Vice and gets two Oscar nominations out of those two movies for best director, which is kind of crazy. Right. And it's the yeah. same type of thing, which is like you've always had this talent and this this rare visual approach to your craft, but because you're just so darn good at the studio comedy, you don't really break free of that for a while because it's such a really good meal ticket. Um, but, but now he's been given the real estate to do what he wants to do. And what I found interesting is two nights ago, this trailer premiered at WonderCon. He posted on Instagram the poster. The trailer was coming, he said the next day, but he actually showed the trailer at WonderCon for a bunch of people exclusively. And then he came out on stage afterwards and basically said, I don't want to talk too much about this movie yet. We're still in the process of sculpting the perfect vision for it. But what I can say is this, I want it to be a tragedy. And that got me really intrigued. It started to match up in my head a little bit with some of the stuff that I've heard about him over the last few years. And now seeing this trailer, it makes perfect sense because the trailer is virtually free of dialogue and a lot of key storytelling moments. It's just a lot of um, visceral um, images that are sticking with you to kind of show you that this is a character study, but it's also clearly being crafted as, okay, you may laugh a little bit, but this is going to unsettle you in a way that's not necessarily horrific. So I think that matches up with what he's going for. And I think we are, we're in for a very special treat. So I have, I have just a couple of thoughts 
um, that, you know, cause all of yours are amazing, but, but we're in firmly in your wheelhouse where I can do nothing, but just sit at your feet and learn. Um, and so, which is not a bad place to be. I talked for a long time. So now you can take the reins. Um, no, I, I think I have a couple of thoughts. And my first is I like that you pointed out the tragic angle. Um, and I'm, I, I'm excited about that take on it. And it all, it, I just wanted to acknowledge it reminds me of, and, and man, I cannot remember. I feel terrible for this. I cannot remember the comic it happened in, but there was a, a time in the comics where for a brief moment, the Joker went sane and for just a couple of minutes, his full sanity came back to him, whoever he used to be. And he looked at like who he had become and what he was doing. And he turned to Batman and he's like, we have a couple of minutes here where I am me again. And I need you to kill me right now. And just the, it's this moment that to me spoke of the tragedy behind that character that is lost so often when we, and rightly so when we go for the horror of the character, um, especially in the last decade or so, under uh, Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo, who have just been did did one of the absolute greatest Batman runs in history. Um, you know, Joker has really leaned into the horror elements of this character, this, you know, mysterious figure without a past who just shows up to cause chaos and destroy things. And it's been phenomenal. But to I like, you know, I've been on the record that I like the different reimagining of characters you know i'm i'm comfortable having my favorite version of things while still enjoying other things and the idea that we might be about to pivot to the joker as a tragic character from the horror character is really fascinating to me and really exciting i i really see in this trailer you know, the the first bits that we were told about this film is that it was going to kind of be it was going to be drawing a lot of inspiration from Scorsese. It was going to be drawing from Taxi Driver. And I don't know, did you because I got that vibe from the trailer and maybe it's just because they planted the idea in my head a long time ago. But it felt like I, I saw that in this and I saw this notion that it was going to be about this one decent guy's descent into insanity and this tragic just breaking down of a person. Did you see that in there or am I just seeing what yes, they, I think, no, I think you hit the tipping point right there. Point blank. You, you nailed the bullseye, which is if you're familiar with the way Paul Schrader writes his screenplays, Paul Schrader's the guy that wrote taxi driver. He's the guy that wrote the last temptation of Christ. And he's the guy that wrote and directed first reformed, which was one of the, the, the year's most incredible movies last year. So it, if you if you're familiar with the way he structures narrative and his protagonist's evolution, the two and a half minute trailer that we got of this Joker movie follows that trajectory almost to a T, which is you see the character starting in one point and then you get a glimpse 
of these visual cues that clearly tell you how it's pushing him farther along the spectrum, whether he likes it or not. And then you see where he ends up, but you get there through these visual cues that are showing you the before and the after. And some of them are actually pretty poetic and intentionally repetitive. And, um, and it's got that slow descent sort of thing. Like that's very Paul Schrader. And you can tell that Phillips clearly wants, like, that's not really a paint by numbers approach, but you can tell that he is, taking that inspiration and wanting you to know that even though we're not getting much dialogue and much lengthy um, exposure to scenes, he wants you to see that that character arc is there. And if that is happening in light of all of this taxi driver stuff that they were talking about for the months prior before we saw any footage, then that tells me that he he's, he's nailing what he wants to do. And that is okay. Like, the the Travis Bickle stuff is is one of the standards in Hollywood for a reason, and I think the easiest homage to see is the scene where Joaquin is standing up in his I'm I'm assuming it's his living room, and he has a shirt off, and he's doing that weird yeah. little pose with his bony frame. If you you can probably see this on Twitter now. As soon as I saw that, I instantly thought of that scene in Taxi Driver where Travis Bickle puts on the pistols for the first time and he doesn't have his shirt on and he just stands there and pulls out the pistols and Joaquin Phoenix is holding a pistol in that frame too. Like those two are, are very reminiscent of each other. And I think that's intentional, but it doesn't feel derivative at the same time. So I think, I think you're right there. Um, And I'll be interested to see as it gets closer, if we feel like Phillips was able to kind of take that trope and make it his own, or if we're just going to sink deeper and deeper into the derivative pool to where he pays homage so much that he actually loses track of it. Cause there's, there, there's two kinds of schools of thought where you could do what Jordan Peele does, which is say, these are all the horror influences that I've had growing up. I want to pay homage to them, but do the most original thing you've ever seen in a movie and it'll blow your mind. Or you can have the opposite effect of that. And you can have something like the Safdie brothers whose movies are basically them just saying like, here's what our favorite directors did in other movies. And we just thought we would carve and copy that. So I don't know. So my, man, I'm learning more this episode than I think I have in any other we've done. Like this is, this one is a lot of fun for me. Um, See, this is what I'm saying. We just take a trailer and we do something fun with it. Um, (laughs) My final thought is I have, I want to look at this from both angles. I want to look at my hope for this film and my fear for this film. And my, my fear for it is embodied by the show Gotham because, Oh Oh, man, (laughs) stick with me. Um, when that show was first announced, I was really excited, um, that it was going to be kind of like the GCPD. It was going to be, the, the way that it was communicated in some of the early stuff was that we were going to be getting this grounded, almost noir-inspired approach to Gotham City that would have very few, if any, costumes or supervillains, and it was going to focus entirely on the crime and the regular lives of the cops that are trying to handle a city that is, we know as viewers about to just go completely bonkers with costumed crazies everywhere. And that was so fascinating to me. And then as the show came and as I watched the first few episodes, it became really obvious that this was going to be one long, 
long wink at the audience saying, ah, ah, that's the Riddler right there. You think he's going to put the costume on? You think he's going to do it? And my fear is, and I can't believe I'm saying this, I really hope that this movie stays away from superheroes. And I really hope, my hope for the movie, right? So that's my fear, is that it becomes like Gotham, where it's like, oh, his next door neighbor's going to be Clayface, and his lawyer is Harvey Dent. Um, <laughs> but my hope wink, wink, for it, Say no more, say no more. <laughs> right, yeah. And, and so, like, my hope for it, though, is that it can be what it looks like it's going to be right now, and that it can be simply a crime story. It can be this tragedy about a guy who is just beaten down and broken by the, the society, the system around him and what monster that makes of him. And I think the most effective way to do that, especially in our beautifully, wonderfully, deliriously oversaturated superhero market is to remove this thing almost completely from the Batman mythology and just say, yep, there's Bruce and Thomas Wayne. We cast them. They're in it, but they're not here to be Batman and Batman's dad. They're here to be Bruce and Thomas. Uh, you know, Hey, here's Arthur Fleck. He's going to become the Joker, but that's the closest you're going to get to Batman is just seeing him become the Joker. And I'm, I really hope it goes that route and it sticks with that taxi driver, Travis Bickle feel we're talking about rather than sliding into this costumed thing. I, I don't want to see another take on the long Halloween, which is my favorite Batman story. I, I don't want to see it. I've seen it before. I love it. I want to see something new. I want to see something unique. And that's what this feels like it could be. And that's also, I think to bring us full circle, how you get away from the fact that this is our third Joker in a decade is by yeah. making it so unique and different than the others. So I'm, I'm really grateful that it doesn't have any air of, like you said, of long Halloween or Alan Moore, as much yeah. as I, we, we bow at the throne of Alan Moore. Part of, part of what I was worried about for this movie is that as far as the Joker is concerned, we have been completely Alan Moore out. It's like yeah. any, anything, that, anything that has touched the the Joker in this last decade has just the, the filmmakers and writers and everyone behind those projects has just been so overtly saying like Alan Moore is our inspiration. We want to put that up there. And I get that because I mean, the, the killing joke is a standard for a reason, but one, that one is about a guy who in order to complete his, his arc and in order for the story to make sense has to have a Batman opposite him and is just as much about a Joker toying with a Batman as it is about the Joker's, um, you know, what made the Joker insane. And what we have here in this movie is just a, it's a simple character study. And what I really appreciate about that is if you're going to do what DC is doing, which is basically let's throw a bunch of stuff up on the wall and see what sticks. And this Joker movie is going to be successful by the fact that they're taking the character study route. It's not part of an extended universe. There's not going to be a lot of spandex and huge special effects. It looks like most of everything in this movie is going to be pretty practical, which is a breath of fresh air. And it's literally 
about this guy. And the only way for that story to make sense and to be three-dimensional enough to carry an entire two-hour movie without feeling like it was weak or something was missing is to say, this is as humanistic as it gets. We're going to humanize this thing, and we're going to make it be a slow character study of his slow descent. And if you make it that and you make it that laser focused, then you're able to do something that is more of a tragedy meets film noir meets black comedy. And you're going to you're going to love it because it's like you're watching Travis Bickle, but instead it's the Joker. And um, kind of like our, our, our buddy Dennis was commenting on his Twitter feed and also commented on our Instagram post about this movie saying, like, this is what he wants to see the future of comic book movies be. Yeah, there's a time and place for the things like the Avengers, and we're always going to love them. But if you really want to take advantage of the mileage that you have with this comic book arena and see some variety, this may be the formula that kind of fixes that for you. I think he's on to something there. Yeah, I think, um, firstly, Dennis is just a smart guy who knows what he's talking about. Um, yes, cosine. But secondly, yeah, you know, so first of all, I'm just, and also he kind of, you know, regularly identifies my idiocy on Twitter. So I'm I'm always very <laughs> slow to disagree with Dennis intentionally. We can, um, we can count on Dennis to at least call us out on our crap. And that's why he's a good friend. Yeah, that's why we have Dennis and Nick Miller around is just to like point out when I'm wrong. Um, but the... <laughs> Um, no jokes aside, I, I really do. I think he is onto something and I, I think Dennis is right. And I think that for me, the ideal is a healthy balance, um, of, uh, cause I do, I, at the end of the day, man, I went out and I bought detective comics 1000 because it's just, holy cow. It's the 1000th issue of the comic that gave us Batman. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I, I love superhero stuff and I'm, I, Love, you know, I love when it's just good old good guy wins, saves the day. And that's, I know that's lame, but darn it, that's me. It's not lame, but it's, it's consistent. <laughs> that's why, well, it's why you love Spider Man, right? Yeah, like, it, well, that's exactly right. I got my hands after like, forever of waiting. I got my hands on that new Spider Man game this week, and I'm, I'm living it right there that, gosh, this is just a good story about Spider Man. But at the same time, I need somebody to push the envelope and I need, I need my traditional Jack Kirby and Stan Lee and all those guys, superheroes save the day standing alongside the Grant Morrison, Alan Moore, Neil Gaiman era. I need all of it, man. And there is potential in this movie to always bring it back to that comic book connection. There's potential in this movie for this to be, that sort of indie comic vibe that uh you know that other way of looking at it the your image comics for lack of a better term where we're really seeing something unique we're seeing a new take on an old thing but we're seeing it done in a way that is so mature and so intelligent that it it pushes the genre forward and it, it causes the medium to grow even even the traditional forms of it you know you can look at how someone pushing the envelope off to the side causes the mainstream stuff to grow too. So I think that Dennis is definitely onto something when he calls this the future, potentially, man, I hope this thing doesn't suck. I really hope it's good. 
I know. And and the teaser trailer is like we're we're already going down the road of like we're probably blowing it out of proportion because at the end of the day it was right? a teaser tra- <laughs> it was a teaser trailer with like two lines of dialogue and and no real complete <laughs> scenes. But That's exactly time, right. But at the same time, we we talk about this all the time. Show me, don't tell me, and how it's like supposed. It shouldn't be this remarkable for us to be able to watch something that is this high budget of a movie and say like. Thank you so much for remembering this was a visual medium, but I really appreciate it when directors like Todd Phillips can remember it's a visual medium. And in those two minutes and 22 seconds, they showed us an arc that is both familiar and easy to track, but unsettling and euphoric and hooks us at the same time. And he did that by carefully selecting the visual cues that he put together in this trailer and um, we got a lot, even though it didn't say a lot. And I, I feel like that's a good sign of uh, things to come. Like he's, it, this is in the right hands. I really, I hope it doesn't suck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's weird. The trajectory that I've personally gone on with this film where that I, you know, know nearly nothing about um, where I've gone from holy crap, who approved this? to okay that might be all right to now i'm sitting here just like oh man if this is half as good as it could be it's the future of movies like i have i have really gone on a journey with this thing god knows where i'm going to end up by september (laughs) so we've gone on a journey on this thing and really all we have is a handful of pictures and a two and a half minute video that's got music (laughs) in it (laughs) with like a handful of interviews here and there Pretty much, and Joaquin Phoenix doing wild stuff with his hair because that's what Joaquin Phoenix does. But um, yeah, man, and I've been incredibly impressed with the high praise it's been receiving in the Twitterverse, at least in these first 24 hours too, which is, man, is that hard to come by. Yeah, that is a place that is watching for you to fail. And if you can impress people on social media, you're probably on to something. Or you're insane, one or the other. Or in this case, it could be both. That's a good thing. Uh, it very much could be. <laughs> so yeah, the Joker, Jake. What would what would you rate your anticipation level of this movie? Oh man, it's. I would say it's at an eight out of ten and rising. Um, you know, that's up from like a one. Uh, I would yeah. say that. When this was first announced, it was probably my most dreaded project because I was just again, I was just like, we don't need this. What is going on here? Why can't we just let this character go for a while? And and now I'm sitting here like, whoo, I'm getting excited. Uh, yeah, with every little bit I get, I get more excited for this film. I can't decide if I'm more if I'm still the most excited for Wonder Woman 84. I think I am. I'm just like Chris and Wig is cheetah. I'm ready. I'm there. But this <laughs> this. This movie may have, especially since we've seen Captain Marvel already this year, this movie may have jumped to like my second most anticipated movie of of the comic book first this year. Um, I, I went from uh, man, probably gonna pay money to see that movie to <laughs> holy crap, I can't wait to pay money to see that movie. That, that's like <laughs> that's, that's exactly it. Got me yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. There you have it, friends and folks. The Joker, it's happening. We are definitely more excited than we were 48 hours ago. You probably are too. And uh, we're going to buckle up and we're going to ride this thing out, man. That's that's what's going down. Man. Joaquin, we can't wait, man. 
we sit at the throne. We are ready. So hit us up on the Watching Comics Podcast Twitter page. We are at Watch Comics Pod, but that is comics with an X. Hit us up there. If you haven't already shared your takes on this Joker movie trailer, hit us up and we want to hear what you think because holy crap is this movie making a splash and we have until october to talk about it so uh, we got a lot of space to fill but yeah we definitely want to know what you think and um definitely see uh, let us know what you think about the the greatest leap in a character from leto to phoenix because that's <laughs> that one seems to be pretty glaring at the time but uh yeah and Check us out on iTunes. Give us a rate and review because it's the right thing to do. Other people will find us that way, and we would love you forever if you do. Thanks to the Geek Dad Podcast Network, of course, for hosting this whole thing. They are just sweet and awesome people. We will come at you very, very soon with the next installment in which we slam some evil. We'll see you then. This podcast has been a production of the Geek Dad Podcast Network. If you've enjoyed this content, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash geekdad.